Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Scott Luton and Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's show. Gregory, how are we doing? Quite good. How are you doing, Scott? I am doing wonderful. I'm, I'm, I'll tell you. I'm really excited. Don't you love, love, love it when I open like that? <laughs> it's so quick. I'm not used to it. It's so quick. I'm good. <laughs> well, hey, I'm really excited about today's uh, discussion because, you know, as, as I shared with you and, and the team pre-show, uh, I've been enjoying uh, Blue Diamond Growers products literally for over 40 years, dating back to uh, having tea and coffee with my grandparents, eating uh, Blue Diamond almonds um, at their house. Those are some special memories. So today we get to see uh, and, and dive into the case study on digital supply chain transformation behind uh, such a big and well-known brand with a big emphasis, Greg, on powering visibility and better decision-making. Should be a great show, huh? Yeah, fantastic. Uh, I mean, what are you, nuts? Of course it's going to be great. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Oh, I love that. Uh, it's going to be a great show, and we want to bring everybody in. Uh, stay tuned. We'd love to hear your feedback throughout uh, the hour. So for all the folks in uh, the comments, uh, give us your take on what is is sure to be uh, a wonderful story here today. Okay, so Greg, with no further ado, I'm going to go ahead and bring in our two featured guests. Are you ready? Do. Let's do it. So with no further ado, I want to welcome in Steve Bergfeld, CIO with Blue Diamond Growers, and Anna Linden, Global Head of Supply Chain Planning. Hey, hey, Steve, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> you bet. So good to see it. Anna, how are you? Doing even better. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Oh, wow. <laughs> Man, that was... Welcome aboard. <laughs> That's right. Straight to the you point. down the gauntlet immediately, yeah, Steve. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, folks, we are looking forward to a great discussion today and, and diving into uh, the transformation and all the growth and success at Blue Diamond Growers here in just a second. But before we get there, Greg, we like kind of starting around here with a, a fun warm-up question, right? So today, folks, I learned something new today. Today is more good today day here in the state. So it's a day that's meant to encourage folks to practice kindness and generosity. So with that as a backdrop, uh, Steve, I'll start with you. What is one recent act of kindness or uh, that, that, that you witnessed or maybe one of your favorite nonprofits and why? Yeah, no, I think I'd like to bring up what Blue Diamond does every year. There's an elementary school near near our campus that for, you know, less advantaged children and things. So Every year we do a lot of fundraising for them. We we had a big block party and we got to do the the dunk the dunk thing. So lot, lots of activity there. And then just this week we had a, a nice little Christmas party where we the children come over and Santa Claus and Mrs. Claus are there and, and gifts are provided to them all. So so really appreciate that every year. <laughs> Man, I love that. Greg sounds like a great time and engaging these kids, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, well, and of course, they're going to love dunking any adult that they can get the opportunity. Right? <laughs> well, when, no, we get to do that. So we get to right, uh, right. Oh, <laughs> oh, well. I see how you that know, works. Yeah, sounds like a heck of a yep. lot of fun. <laughs> well, 
appreciate uh, what Blue Diamond does investing in, in, in these local communities. Uh, and I want to bring you in. Uh, favorite act of kindness or maybe a nonprofit you're a big fan of? I'll go for the act of kindness. I went back from the Christmas market last weekend and uh, there was an old lady crossing the street with me and she had her grocery bags uh, with her. So you went back from grocery shopping and the the bag ripped in the middle of the street, right? We were just passing, crossing the street. There were like five, six people jumping off the bicycles, making sure all the groceries are saved. Well, not all made it, but most of them did. And uh, it was uh, nice to see that everyone was very attentive to what uh, happened to the lady. Man, I love that. What a a great story. What is grocery bags in the middle of the street? Uh, Why is it they always break there? That's true, yes. (laughs) It it feels like it does. That's great to hear. (laughs) Well, I I saw someone point out on social media, there's a a scene in Home Alone where uh, Macaulay Calkins is, is walking home. He's got all these groceries and everything collapses on the sidewalk. And someone pointed out that's the most relatable scene in that entire movie. Uh, but Greg, you're not getting out of answering this question. What's one of your favorite acts of kindness or nonprofits out there? So, you know, I'm on the board of this McKenna Farms, which is therapy services, not just equine, not just horse therapy, but other types of therapy. But they do Special Olympics every year. And the kids that volunteer to ride along with our clients in the Special Olympics, um, watching that happen is just, it's really cool. My daughter has gotten a gold medal along with her therapy partner in in the uh, Special Olympics. And I, I think about that uh, very often, those kids that, that do that sort of thing. It's great to see kids helping other kids. So Man, I love that. McKenna Farms. Uh, and appreciate your, your service to helping them reach more folks. Um, okay, really quick, we'll say hello to a couple of folks. Uh, we got Harris tuned in from India via LinkedIn. Great to see you. Uh, Kawan also via LinkedIn. Let us know where you're tuned in from, Kawan. Hey, Larry Klein is back with us down from uh, South Georgia. And I got to say this, I got to reuse Greg's, what are you, nuts? Uh, and and st- <laughs> you all might have heard that as you're in the green room. I love that. Sorry, Steve. I'm sure you hear that all yeah. the time. Right? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's get down to business then. Um, we're looking forward to the, uh, today's uh, subject matter and the story related. So, uh, Steve, I'll start with this, with you and Anna. Um, what are some of your observations as you sur- survey the, the global business environment and industry? What are some of the things you're seeing out there? Mm-hmm. Well, from a consumer package good perspective, there's a, a couple of key key pieces that have hit us these last couple of years. So naturally, COVID had a lot of impact and then inflation itself. So it has definitely redefined kind of the demand aspects, you know, so definitely needing more flexibility as a business and better planning from that standpoint. And then the other side is on the supply side of things where um, just between strikes and and shipment issues you know out of uh, oakland port and things like that just needing more flexibility better planning on that side of things to really get the product shipped out uh, you know across the across the globe Um, so those couple items are just really key perspective that have impacted our business and a lot of cpgs in general good stuff there steve and hey better planning can't do everything but it sure can do a whole lot uh anna what would you add uh to observations out in industry 
Yeah, what we see in the last years, right, there are a lot of uncertainties and disruptions. We've seen a lot of demand volatility first, then switching over to supply volatility due to uh, logistics disruptions. And what we see now is with many companies having both at the same time suddenly. Um, and I think this is uh, becoming more and more challenging. Um, obviously, um, disruptions will not go away, as a client uh, said two weeks ago to me. So everyone is preparing for the next big black swan event. But uh, I think everyone is very attentive right now as to what is happening, what the risks are. So everyone is very alert, uh, which I think is uh, great to see that uh, companies are reacting in the right way here. Mm, good stuff there, Anna. And Greg, uh, whether something you heard Steve and Anna uh, touch on or some of what you're seeing out there, your thoughts? Well, you know, disruption is the nature of supply chain, right? I think all of us in this room have always known that. Uh, I think what's really changed is the awareness of the consumer to that, right? So if you know, if you're out of almonds, they know it's not just Target. It's it's maybe a distributor, and it's you know obviously going to have some impact on on Blue Diamond. So, you know, we have to we have to be aware that more than just cost is at stake in supply chain these days. Risk is is at stake, but the real risk is your brand equity, how people perceive your ability to deliver on your one promise, which is to get them nuts. So, I mean, we have, simple. <laughs> we have yeah. to recognize that there's so much at stake these days because I hate to tell you this, Anna and Steve, but the days of being able to stand alone at a cocktail party just by saying supply chain and having everyone walk away from you, they're over. Now, everybody, it's like if you're a meteorologist, they want to ask you how, how you predict supply chain, just like they ask meteorologists, how do you predict the weather? So, um, it's we're uber aware as consumers now. So it's uh, important to recognize that fact as well as all the operational things that Steve and Anna talked about. That's right. Consumers have maybe never been as smart and as savvy as they are these days. Um, so I want to shift gears here and Steve, I'm going to get back as we start to really uh, dial in on uh, BDG's digital supply chain transformation. I want to start with uh, you sharing kind of what your vision was for the transformation. And, and maybe a big part of that is what was your why? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. So even before the the recent volatility, you know, within our business, we have two main lines of business. One is our branded product, but then is that our other is what we resell to other consumer packaged goods companies selling our almonds to them. So from a demand planning, um, planning in general, demand and supply, you know, we had disparate systems. There were a lot of Excel spreadsheets. It was tough to get a consolidated plan. We couldn't do a lot of scenario planning from that standpoint. So we were really driving what's the best solution set to really get this integrated, you know, a sole source of the truth from that standpoint. So really taking a hard look at the planning side. On the other side, from a logistics standpoint to address, you know, that that aspect of it, it was what can we do to get remove a lot of manual processes, you know, we had we had people going to websites, um, shipper websites to kind of see what the status was of things. So a lot of time to take that, you know, a lot of manual processes. We weren't able to kind of secure capacity and respond to these impacts quickly enough. So planning, then let's get the, the piece shipped out from that standpoint. But so the vision, you know, what we've been on a journey for a, a few years now is let's improve that planning. Let's lay that foundation with these capabilities from demand planning, supply planning, automating processes, 
getting the right data elements and visibility in for the corporation, and then really getting that control tower dashboard concept. So, you know, SAP refers to it as extended planning or synchronized planning. That is definitely our vision. And, and you know, we've made great strides towards that so far with the vision to continue that journey. Man, Steve, uh, Greg, I don't know about you. I feel like Steve just hit on like 17 things we have been talking <laughs> about for like a year, maybe two years, right? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. And it's it's fascinating to see it hit something we perceive as relatively simple. Right. And I'll, I'll get your, you know, now that Steve kind of shared that uh, succinct vision and, and a big part of their why, uh, I love the single source of truth. That that nugget alone, so many folks are after. Your thoughts, Anna, about what drove what, what drove the why here? I think the why has been driven really by by the need to really drive agile decisions, right? You need to be able to drive decisions much faster to take them in a synchronized way. That's where the synchronized planning comes from, right? You need to be able to kind of uh, yeah take profitable decisions also. You need to keep finance in the loop. You need to be able to execute based on the decisions you're taking. Um, and maybe as a next step, you also want to automate most of the decisions to really make sure that your planners are being able to focus on what is yeah needed from them, right? What are the big ticket items they need to work on? So I think it, it, Steve is on a very, very great way, right? We are seeing all the all the boxes checked uh, to be successful uh, when when yeah, having really a digital transformation journey uh, behind you already uh, to a broad extent, but also a, a vision to to move forward here. Mm. Okay, and we're going to go through three specific stages uh, of the transformation in just a minute. But Greg, uh, a great start, I would say already, huh? Yeah, well, I think we've faced uh, and and focused toward one of the primary issues around digital transformation, and that is that it does not include spreadsheets, right? <laughs> digital transformation is not to spreadsheets; it's from spreadsheets. And I think, I think, I know, I hate to say that that needs to be said, but you know, a huge portion of people have spent billions and billions of dollars on supply chain solutions, and yet a large, large percentage of them continue to go back to spreadsheets. And, and I think we have to recognize that, that technology can and should do that better. We talked about that just yesterday, Scott, right? I mean, when you're using a spreadsheet, it, it's uh, too unaccountable. It's not connected data, right? It, it has the potential to be manually dis disrupted. That's the only way I can think of it. And of course, it's, it's incredibly out of sync with the timing and the and the speed with which we need to do business. So um, for those of you, in case you were wondering, we're talking well above spreadsheets here. I'm right, Steve. So, hey, folks, as we are about to move into the story, everyone in the cheap seats in the comments, we'd love to hear your experiences and thoughts on uh, digital supply chain transformation. And we'll try to reference those uh, on the back half of today's discussion. But great to have everybody. I see uh, Gino and Amal and Jenny. Uh, great to see you there. Um, okay. So, Steve, let's keep driving here. And let's, let's kind of get more detail on the transformation itself. And I think... Um, uh, where we're going to start is with that uh, integrated business planning. Is that right? Right. Yep. So that that por portion, we, we started really in that 2018 timeframe. So we've been doing it for a few years now. But like I said, disparate systems, Excel spreadsheets, you know, so we put a real focus on improving that demand. So getting, you know, that one unified vision, a ability to do the the um, scenario planning, more efficient time. You know, we had one step that 
every time they did it ran six hours to kind of get a new scenario. Now that's into minutes, you know, as one example. Um, the other piece that we've done is really improve our what we needed to keep on inventory. So by by you know where it would be in the in the U.S. predominantly. So where and how much, and we were able to reduce those inventory levels. And so again, you know, I think to Greg's earlier point of getting the nuts to the consumer, um, it was all about focusing on how do we get on time in full to our our retailers that then can get it to the consumers. Um, so just we saw immediate benefits from that. And again, we've, we've done continuous improvement throughout just as we learn more, as the, the dynamics change, you know, I think another example was with COVID where, you know, we were doing things predominantly on a monthly planning cycle. We were saying things were so dynamic that we had to get it down to a weekly cycle. So, so in a, in a, you know, within a couple months, we were able to re-engineer the, the system to kind of take a, into account for those aspects of it. And then in some cases, even on the supply side, we had to go to daily reviews from that side. So the fact that we had it all now consider, um, consolidated, we were able to do these scenario plannings and, and adjust dynamically quickly. So, so many benefits that we saw for the business. Uh, I, sorry, I, I'm stuck on that six hours down to minutes. Right. I mean, yeah. goodness gracious, huge gains there. Um, Anna, talk to us about this this first uh, segment uh, where you're leveraging IBP. Yes, so I mean, technology or modern technology obviously also drives processes, right? And uh, with speed, performance, but also the, the data and the visibility that such an integrated planning process really brings based on integrated business planning as a solution or not, uh, is really the value add that we see here, right? It's uh, it's It enables companies to really rethink the processes and make them faster, but that enables them also kind of to tackle new challenges uh, in, in a much different way. And going down from hours to minutes is just one side effect of that, right? Because it opens up um, capacity from the planners to tackle new challenges. So, um it also drives organizational change that we see a lot along the way when integrated business planning as a process and as a solution is uh, instantiated that people keep keep thinking about how to change the process now that they have the time to think about it and maybe also the capacity to really think about optimizing not only the intelligent solutions and the solution landscape and technology, but really also the way people work together and the way uh, people's skill set needs to be developed in order to, to cope here. Uh, very, and I love that first part, uh, Anna, uh, you know, freeing up team members to do more and to do new opportunities, tackle new challenges. Greg, that's one of our favorite parts about uh, effective digital transformation. Uh, your thoughts, Greg? Yeah, let computers do computer things so people can do people things, right? I mean, there's so much that is uh, on both ends of the spectrum, by the way, right? The, we talk a lot about all kinds of automation and technology, the dull, dark, dirty, and dangerous, right? But there's also intellectual pursuits that are better suited to computers, not anything a human, well, in some cases, many things a human can't calculate in their head, but most importantly, being able to calculate that much more rapidly with many more inputs over many more scenarios and without emotion, without forgetting anything, all of those sorts of things. So that does allow humans to sort of elevate their performance to the, the exceptions, right? Or the difficult situations that require um, human discernment, where there's just not enough data for technology to make that decision. 
Well said. Um, I want to share a couple of quick comments. So as, as Steve and Anna have been sharing some of the uh, outstanding results from uh, BDG's transformation, Larry says his team developed an analytical team that combines supply data from the many IT systems that we use to develop products used by item managers that keeps them from having to build their own. Fill rates were averaging 20% and have topped at a recent high of 88% with averages in the high 70s. Larry, outstanding. Uh, and Christine adds, going back to some examples, Steve and Anna were, were uh, referencing, Christine says, moving from month to week is a huge shift and emphasizes a need to automate and direct uh, focus. Well said there, Christine. A day is just off the charts for most people. I mean, most companies don't even believe they could ever get there, right? But that, that is truly impressive to be able to do that in those multiple tiers, right? Right. That's incredible responsiveness. So true. Um, okay. So Steve, getting back, uh, so, so leveraging integrated business planning was that first segment we're going to talk about today. The next segment is, hey, where's supply chain fit in here? So Steve, tell us more. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so we put that focus on demand planning, supply planning. Now we put additional focus on how do we get the product to the, to the end, end, uh, end customer. Um, so we focused initially on ocean freight. So from that example, so I guess in 2021, we, we went to SAP S4. So we made that our foundation. We then moved forward on SAP transportation management, which was more embedded into S4, but then we extended it from there. So we did transportation management. We leveraged the SAP logistics business network. So LBN, and then also had the project 44 visibility aspect of it. So all this was turned on this, this 2022 to improve our ocean freight um, visibility, automation, those aspects of it. And now we are pr proceeding with the domestic freight for, um, you know, full truckload, less than truckload and rail aspects of it. So being able to, again, lay that foundation, extend it across. So again, some of those examples, you know, where I mentioned before, where our team had to go to like 10 different websites to kind of get shipping information and things like that. Now through this LBN, it's all consolidated. It gives you the best optimized solution for you. Um, so, so again, just that, you know, obtaining our shippers, having the visibility to our customers as to what's going on, you know, or again, just We've started the journey the last few months, and we're, we're already seeing the benefits from that side. Steve, I got to ask you, uh, it sounds a big part of this is making your your team members' jobs easier, it sounds like. How appreciative, what have you seen? <laughs> you know, they're not searching 10 sites. It's all right there at their fingertips and stuff like that. What are you hearing from your team? No, again, very appreciative. I think this one, we had super teamwork. They were very excited once we kind of showed them what the capabilities were. Um what one of the change management was they weren't they weren't trusting the data at first because it was like i'm so used to going out to the to the website and things like that and seeing things in, in different time time frames but you know what what we were seeing like even with project 44 it was gathering different data sources and layering on an ai component to it to try to get a better fit from that standpoint so so you had to get through that that mental change of hey this is better you know from that side but but again very appreciative um there were high comments throughout the initiative and again you know we we just had a an award ceremony with the ceo a couple of days ago and people were just commenting how what a great teamwork it was and, oh, that's and great. you know what what great insights we were getting there. man 
I love to hear that. Uh, and you know, it, it's it, some of what you described comes with any big endeavor, right? And loved uh, the feedback you're getting from your team. Okay, so Anna, that middle section, uh, transportation management, the logistics business network, and how they leveraged all of that. Your comments here, Anna. Great story, right? So with the business network, you're really able to go outside of your company and outside of your enterprise and extend the visibility, but also the yeah the risk management towards the outside world, right? It's a it's a huge factor in the in the supply chain world right now because you will not be able to solve your supply chain issues just with what you have inside your company. So the network, uh, let it be now the logistics business network or the supplier networks um, and the connection to those and the visibility to the data that is out there is key here um, to really be able to uh, yeah, to, to have a resilient supply chain and to drive to drive active decision making right and it's a great example with the with the project 44 which is a visibility provider so you're not only getting the information where my shipment is but you can also calculate the delay of it so you know ahead of time that something is delayed um, because you know it's stuck on the ocean so it will not be here for the next six eight weeks or something right it's not in the very near term horizon so but in the in the mid to long term where you can still do something right and uh, this visibility is is so important for many companies because they actually can take action as a planner when they know about about uh, things that are happening on the road or in, on the mm. ship in this case yeah and, and they can do something about it uh, with that knowledge and those insights greg i know we're talking your language your thoughts on what uh, steve and anna shared yeah well uh it, it makes me uh, when you when you asked the question scott about uh did it were they appreciative um it makes me think about an old adage from the old days of supply chain planning, right? If if you're overstocked, it's your fault. If you're a planner, if you're out of stock, it's your fault. And if something just so happens to go right, it's thank God for that sales team. Uh, so, I mean, it's a, it is a completely thankless job. And the reason that they're untrusting, as Steve talked about, is because of exactly that, right? We used to have meetings I called, how did, how did you hurt the company today meetings? And it was a review of what had happened yesterday and and how to avoid that happening. Uh, Steve, it sounds, it sounds like it might be familiar to you as well. Um, but, um, but, you know, it's, it's a very rough job. And so much is outside of your purview, right? You can't control everything. So being aware of those things like Anna w was talking about and, and IBP, right, which is is including planning for what goes on outside your four walls. That's very, very important for plant planners to understand and know, because at least if you tell someone something bad is about to happen, not they come to you and say something bad just happened. How did you mess that up? Um, choosing words very carefully. It was not those words when it happened to me, <laughs> by the way. Um, but... <laughs> If you can do that, if you have that, the opportunity to take a preemptive strike it is so, so powerful. And it is better, not just for the user, of course, not just for the planner, but for the company overall. Still, as Anna talked about, with the ability to adapt on the fly, that is incredibly powerful. Some companies have provisional vendors and things like that where they can fill in if, you know, if there's a disruption occurring. Mm. Um, good stuff there, Greg. A uh, couple quick comments. Uh, so our dear friend Jenny from Wisconsin says, great point, Steve. Change management trust is a huge part of successful digital transformation. Well said, Jenny. Uh, with trust, you can Pretty certainly- Pretty much 100% of it. I mean, yeah. you can do all the work, 
right? I mean, we sit in the ivory tower and big conference rooms and planning rooms and all of that sort of thing. But in the end, digital transformation is delivered on the desktop. Well said, uh, Greg and Jenny. And then Larry says, because there's always opportunity, right? There's always opportunity. Uh, Larry says, it'd be nice to have data more consolidated, kind of like what uh, Steve was talking about. Our data comes from at least four different IT systems. We'd be sunk without our data analysts. Wouldn't we all, uh, Larry? Um, okay, Steve. Let's Coming get... from a data analyst, by the way, Larry. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Steve, let's get back to the story here. So I think with the, this third and final segment, we're getting into, well, analytics. What a great segue. So, Steve, tell us more. Enabling that you know, through, through what, you know, control towers and dashboards. So, so the, where we're moving forward is just pulling this data into these centralized things, things that the logistics teams will need, what the planning team will need, what, what sales would need from that side. Um, the other piece we're doing is enabling financial planning and analytics, economics of the company. So any changes here would have some any changes to the um, planning you can show from an economic standpoint. So moving that way as well from a fi- foundational standpoint. So again, it's it's centralizing this data like we've stated. You know, we're, we've got on our on our roadmap to start pulling in more production planning data, some of that detailed scheduling. So how production planning will impact demand planning and supply planning. We're going to see where we have opportunities for leveraging AI more so. So again, the foundation, we've got a catalyst for the change. We're just gathering those data elements. Anna, uh, tell us, we were talking about the, the third segment being the analytics and control towers, dashboards and the like. Tell us, tell us uh, what, what took place during this segment. Yeah, I mean, control towers or anything like command centers or digital twins, however you want to call them, right, um, are, are really one big aspect of building transparent plans, right? To have the visibility of the data, that's key aspect, right? Obviously you want to report based on this. You want to uncover risks in your data. That's kind of the key challenge that many customers see. You have a lot of data. You need to kind of present them to the planners in a way that it's consumable, but you also want this data to, to talk to itself uh, or for itself, right? You want to have data that can alert you ahead of time. You want to make sure that you have all the data that is needed to steer your company and you want to present it in the way that uh, is, um, yeah, where, where you can drive knowledgeable decisions based on, right? So that's kind of the key aspect of this whole analytics section. What we are seeing is um, also that these analytics are becoming more and more cross uh, the planning departments. So we have a lot of planning departments, as we know, right? We have the logistics, we have uh, the transport, we have the ones in the warehouse who are doing planning. We have the classical supply chain, demand planners, supply planners. We have finance planners also, right? And um, really centralizing all of this information and having the same analytical layer for all of them where they can dig into not only the data that is usually classically associated to their planning site, let's call it a planning silo, uh, but really look across and say, okay, I can pull in out, uh, information from all the different other aspects and I can drive decisions with the knowledge about the impact that my decision and my little silo is driving towards the others, right? That's really the key aspect that we see here. So it's not only mm-hmm. planning and reporting, but it's really to have uh, one layer of reporting and analytics to drive profitable decisions throughout the entire value chain. Yes, faster, more profitable decisions. All right, so we're going to try to bring in uh, Steve Bergfeld again. 
we're just left it. And Greg, I'm going to get you to weigh in here because I think this is definitely a big theme. We're seeing faster, more profitable decision-making. What powers that? Greg, your comments. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not just the data. It's also the presentation of it and what, what you can do with it. So linking that data to solutions, some of the solutions that Steve and Anna have been talking about is critical, right? Data and, and visibility and transparency and all of those other words that we use for that on its own is not enough. It has to be actionable, right? First of all, you know, everybody talks about how they have too much data. So how you parse and sort and present and utilize that data is very, very critical. So those analytics that actually put the user, if the if the technology can't make the decision, as we talked about, computers doing computer things, if they can't make the decision, um, or if a human has to make the decision, whether the computer could or could couldn't, right? Then we have to present it in a way that enables the user to do that. And I think that's a critical part of what we're talking about. And um, you know, I think that's that, that's part of what Steve was talking about is the enablement of decision-making, the enablement of, of identifying those opportunities to, to make those faster, right, and more profitable decisions. So, so Steve, uh, your ears may have been burning. We've been talking about you a little bit. Uh, so tell us, when it comes to that decision-making and, and faster and better decision-making, uh, what else would you add there? It's one, making sure the business kind of understands what actionable insights they need. And, and that has been a challenge for us to really kind of gather that those requirements from them. So so there's that. So what we've done is kind of show showcase some of the options that are available to them. So, you know, again, highly recommend that if if they don't know what they don't know, that kind of thing, like let's show them the art of the possible, you know, those kind of things. Mm. I love that. Mm -hmm. uh, Anna, it's very powerful. The art of the possible, getting the team bought into uh, what we're trying to do and, and how they're going to be better off as well as the business being better off really important things when it comes to managing these these big projects, right? Yes, definitely, yes. And also bringing in the human factor here again, right? So really to, to also enable the humans to take, or the, the, the planners, to really be confident in what they are seeing and uh, confident in, in what they're deciding on, I think, is, is also a key driver here. Okay. Uh, Greg, before we move into uh, final thoughts, both with uh, Steve and Anna, um, when it comes to, uh, again, empowering humans, uh, driving better decision-making, um, building trust. I mean, going back to you and uh, Jenny's comments, right? Uh, some of your thoughts here, Greg. Yeah, you have to be able to develop that trust. I think we talked about that, you know, that that is probably the most important thing. But the way that you do it is not by, I think the traditional way uh, managers have, have uh, thought of buy-in. It's basically in the past, and, and I'm sure you've experienced this in the past, management at, a, at an implementing client will say, we need to accomplish this and you guys need to buy into it. The way to do it is to solve the problems that the people on the desktop perceive, right? Those might be small problems. They might be big strategic problems. But again, the key of delivering a digital transformation is remains on the desktop. Um, so far, thankfully, we can't automate ourselves out of jobs. Some jobs, mostly the jobs people don't want anyway, but um, but so far, not those a lot of those decision-making jobs. So buy-in needs to be identifying a problem that empathizes with the, with the condition that your users, your planners, in this case, let's say, 
they really feel impedes their progress or, or their progress and even in trying to meet the company's goals. And when you do that and you build consensus by solving those problems, that's how you get buy-in. Buy-in isn't forced, right? It, it, it's, it's provided by virtue of addressing those issues that are top of mind, you know, the burning platforms that people are struggling with every day. Well said. Anna, you were going to say something there. You agree, right? I agree. And uh, I also agree that a lot of implementations are based on wrong assumptions, right? Uh, it's not only that it's driven uh, from a top-down approach, but it's also uh, based on on, on, a, on a process that was uh, developed 20 years ago, right? So people in the transformation say, okay, we have the process in place, it's working, right? And so we just put it on a new platform and then everyone's happy and everything is more usable. But the fact is that there have been so many workarounds instantiated in these 20 years that the process is not the process anymore, right? And um, uh, what many projects that we see fail is that they are not talking to the planners how the actual process and the current is and not how it's written down in the handbook from 20 years ago. Um, that's also a big aspect here, which drives a lot of frustration because the moment you're implementing such an old process again, which hasn't been working, but you know it's been around, uh, it's breaking, right? People, it's, it's just breaking because you're taking the workarounds away from the planners and suddenly the whole whole thing shuts down the moment they have to work according to the standard. So it's very, very important to, to start as the base and really bring in the people to make sure you are implementing according to how they run the business. And maybe you'll also optimize that and you find areas of improvement, but really to make sure that you have people on board and also Maybe have like lighthouse projects in your company to drive this kind of uh, transparency and also the the success, and then other people will show, will follow. All right, so Steve, uh, based on a lot of what Anna just shared there, and before we get your final thought and, and final piece of advice to our listeners, um, I, I love the story, and I love Steve how you have told the story and and how humans and team members are front and center. Speak to if you would, whether it's the buy-in or whether it's um, you know, being real about how the process works instead of kind of the uh, the assumptions we all make. See some of your final comments before we get before we get your final piece of advice. No, again, it, it's exactly what Anna's stating that lever. You know, it's a mix of what are those processes, but then leverage the system as well to help redefine those processes. So you really got to put that right balance in place again. Folks, folks are used to the way they've done right. it, but now there's new opportunities from, from that side of things. Um, what we've done as well is start encouraging where are their, where are their weaknesses and, and opportunities for automation as another example. So, so again, put this focus on, let's get that foundation in place. Let's get those initial aspects in place, but focus on this continuous improvement as well. So, so never lose sight of that. Mm. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so, so much to tell, so little time, but Steve, as we start to wind down, I want to get you and Anna both to weigh in on some final thoughts and Steve, I want to, I want to, um, you know, if folks forget, uh, you know, of what they've heard over the last, you know, 45 minutes or so, what's one key piece of advice that folks need to keep front and center, Steve? Mm-hmm. No, I, I would say, you know, it's important to understand what your destination is, you know, what that roadmap is, but definitely focus on the journey, you know, get those quick, quick wins, show where the business value is from that side. Um, you know, we, we leverage the agile approach, which is, you know, I, and I highly recommend in some cases, you know, our, our team says, 
maybe we over-engineered some things because we were looking out too far ahead from that side of things. So, so again, focus on the quick value and, and what's that, you know, what, what things you can turn on quickly, the, the data, the process and the change, you know, you have to make it well-defined and well-managed from that side of things. And then, like I stated, it's that focus on, it's going to be the journey. There's going to be continuous improvement, continuous optimizations, and, and never lose sight of that aspect. As mm. Okay. Was well, everybody taking notes? Steve, uh, you're a great storyteller. That's, that's it in a nutshell. That's, that's it in a nutshell, right? In a nutshell. Yes. Right? No. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right. I love it, Steve. I see what you did there. Hey, you're welcome <laughs> back anytime, Steve. I look forward to uh, kind of getting the next update from y'all's continued transformation journey. And, and then we're going to ask you how can folks connect with you and your team in just a minute. But before we do, Anna, uh, we've covered so much ground today. And it's tough to you know talk about this uh, critical and successful transformation in a span of you know forty five minutes or so. So, with that as a backdrop, what's one key piece of advice, Anna, that you would share with our listeners that may be either leading or uh, part of their own transformation? Yeah, uh, probably that it's a road, right? <laughs> it's never, it's very winding, but never ending. Um, but I think it's a very good starting point to start with the organizational change management, uh, then adapt towards like uh, planning processes, optimize the planning processes, provide the visibility and transparency across the different uh, silos, and then really invest in intelligence and automation. I think that will be the key of success in the next years, right? Bring in more and more data from the external world, leverage what's there in technology to really be able to intelligently yeah, also use this mass, mass amounts of information that are out there and that are very valuable and then invest in automation and uh, make sure you're running your business to the broad, broadest percentage on automated data, right? Because um, it is possible already today, there is a, a, a percentage where you want to have a human decision-making platform but um, I think a broad majority will be automated in the future. And I think that's the path many companies are moving and investing towards. And I think that's uh, a good direction to look at. Um, uh, content information in just a second, uh, and Gress, as well as Greg's uh, final takeaway as well. Jenny says, the agile approach, which Steve talked about, is great to get quick wins and adapt as business requirements change over time. And she loves the, in a nutshell, <laughs> Steve, we all do. All right. So, uh, Greg, um, based on these final reminders and key pieces of advice from Anna and Steve, uh, right on point, really have enjoyed the story. Um, your quick comments, Greg. If you have any doubt whether Anna is a planning expert, look at her outfit against her out her backdrop. <laughs> I love I mean, it. Seriously. Who color coordinates like that? Um, so no, I, and I mean that with all seriousness because I have a feeling that's kind of how she operates. But uh, under, understand and recognize that you have people that have incredible skills um, and that enabling them to do their job better is um, that is virtually all they want. Right. Everyone wants to perform better. And really, that's all you're that's really all you're trying to accomplish with a digital transformation is helping your team and your company perform better. Mm, so true. Okay. All right. Um, uh, so Steve, Steve Bergfeld, CIO with uh, Blue Diamond Growers. Steve, um, again, love. I know uh, y'all have a wide variety of products. Uh, I'm, I'm just real partial as I think I shared with you pre-show those wasabi flavored almonds. 
Oh my gosh. I go through those, not by the can, by the bag. Uh, so uh, y'all keep, whatever it takes. You know trying to lose swag off of you. Right? <laughs> no. yeah, right. Whatever transformation it takes to keep those great things coming. But Steve, uh, how can you, um, uh, how can folks connect with you and Blue Diamond Growers? Mm-hmm. No, I would say, you know, reach out through LinkedIn. You know, I, I am there just by my name. So, you know, happy, happy to message back and forth. It's just that easy. And I bet you'll be getting yep. uh, lots of requests for advice, maybe some uh, keynote storytelling, you name it. So I uh, really appreciate your time today, Steve. Mm-hmm. Glad to participate. Appreciate you it. Bet. And uh, of course, you're joined by Anna, uh, Anna with SAP. Um, Anna, how can folks connect with you and all the great things you are doing at SAP? Yes, um, I think LinkedIn is a very good channel also uh, to connect with me. Apart from that, I do have an SAP email address and I'm the only S- uh, Anna Linden at SAP. So <laughs> you probably know uh, how, how the email works. So um, that would be also a great way and uh, happy to connect and share more information if someone has questions. Wonderful. That is bold. That is bold. I love that, Anna. Um, all right. Well, big thanks again, Steve Bergfeld, CIO with Blue Diamond Growers and Anna Linden, Global Head of Supply Chain Planning with SAP. Thank you both. Happy holidays and happy new year. We'll see you soon. All right. Thank you again. Happy holidays. Thank you for happy having us. Okay. Yep. Man, Greg, uh, we needed a, like a three-hour show uh, for that transformation story. But, you know, I really appreciated the um, the three segments they shared, uh, three segments that they shared, and some of those key takeaways that are really applicable um, applicable regardless of what um, industry you're in or sector you're in, huh? Yeah, unquestionably. Um, I mean, there are a few things you have to think about, and they said it, both of them said it in towards the end is, uh, you know, don't automate your current crappy processes, right? I mean, let's face it, ERPs get a, they get a bad rap, and SAP is the poster child for those bad raps in, in a lot of cases where, as Anna talked about, where customers fail. But in, often it is because, and I, I remember 12, 2000, sorry, 2000 technology implementations over my lifetime. It is often because precisely that, where customers try to force fit their current processes with all these offline and spreadsheet augmentations and um, you know process, process adaptations that occur in people's heads that never get documented to automation and you can never completely capture that and it is a, it is a um it's a recipe for disaster there's no other way around it look you to make these implementations transformations successful you have to first begin with the end in mind what is the goal right worry about the end not the means not how you get there but where you want to get to because the professionals that help you implement these technologies and that help you address change management and help you conduct these digital transformations, they know how to get there. And you will, though it'll be, you know, you may not want to do it, you will get there to toward those goals if you are willing to adapt your processes in in the process. <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> you know, and the, and the other thing that I think is absolutely critical and very astute for Steve to identify that quick wins, providing those quick wins, that's what provides buy-in going to the people on the desktop and saying, hey, how could we really, maybe really easily make your your job a lot better and a lot more effective? And knowing that everybody wants to do a better job, um, you know, the, the, you, ha- you, you take that, that opportunity where they offer you 
if I could accomplish this more easily or more quickly, right, or at a at a higher rate of of um, per- performance, then my job would be better. If you take those and you get you make those happen, that's what creates buy-in. And then long term, you have to enable excellence and improvement, right? You have to support this as a management team. You have to uh, chaperone it, if you will, or champion it. Um, as a management team and realize all the way back to the beginning by beginning with the end in mind that you are driving towards something that benefits the company as a whole and and the individuals at their own level as well. So if you do those things, then you can avoid the traps of trying to slam fit your bad processes into a brand new shiny technology. Mm. So, and Hey, it's not set it and forget it. Like our dear friend, Ron Papil, there's no finish line. There's always opportunity. It's a long and winding road. That's as right. Anna said. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and uh, I love Steve and Anna both talked about engaging uh, team members. I, I loved Anna's uh, comments around, you got to talk to your planners in particular, figure out what, how they're spending their day and, and how they get the business done. So I love how you echoed that uh, a minute ago, Greg folks. Hey, by the way, uh, we encourage y'all to connect with both Anna and Steve via uh, LinkedIn. We've got their direct uh, profile one click away in the comments. And I really appreciate everybody showing up here today. Uh, Greg, what a great conversation. Thank you for your time here today. Thank you. And that was a great discussion. You know, whenever we can talk about this planning and and how to adapt it to the new world of technology, as if it's a new world, but you know, <laughs> Um, it, and it is in some cases for some companies, isn't it? But whenever we can talk about that, man, it's a blast. I've seen the results. It's so powerful game, not game changing. It is life changing for a lot of people and for the companies that they work at. Mm. Well, Hey, uh, big thanks as well to Steve with blue diamond growers and Anna with SAP. Uh, make those connections. Big thanks to all the folks that tune down. I know we couldn't share all the comments and questions. Uh, big thanks for being here today. Of course, our production team, uh, Amanda, Chantel, Catherine, Clay, the whole, uh, the massive team behind making production happen here at Supply Chain Now. Folks, you heard it from us. You heard it from Greg. Hey, these not words. Take action. There are opportunities out there. Find an expert resource that can help you change your life, as Greg put it. And with no further ado, hey, Scott Luton challenging you to do good, to give forward, and to be the change. And we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.